What's up and welcome to the Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast. This is the first episode, the inaugural episode of the Drop the Mitts Hockey Pod, uh, brought to you in partnership with the Black and Gold Productions LLC. I'm here with my man, Chris Davis. Follow him on Twitter at ChrisJDavis11. I'm Mike Sullivan. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan. Some of you guys may know me from the Something's Brewing podcast. Um, also underneath the Black and Gold Productions LLC umbrella, along with, you know, only Bruins, What's Brewing on Mondays with Chris Nosek, Short Shift Pod, obviously the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. But uh, yeah, this is the newest rendition of a podcast here on the BNG Network. And I'm wicked excited to get it started. Me and Chris here, we're, we're ready to bring you all things hockey, not just Bruins. It's going to be everything around the league. Uh, hopefully we have some really, really exciting guests to bring you guys. And um, yeah, so Chris, uh, introduce yourself to the pod. Yeah, man. Uh, so I'm Chris. Uh, obviously super amped to be with you here. Um, got a ton to get to, man. A lot of NHL news, a lot of rumors. So I'm, I'm freaking amped up, man. Yeah, dude. So we have a little, um, would you say it's like a little itinerary for the show? Would that yeah. be the right word? Like a little itinerary? Yeah, I mean, we got a lot to get to. Um, you know, draft and the drafts coming up, NHL awards. Yeah. Uh, got some crazy Bruins rumors, man. That uh, yeah, dude. The last couple days, so we've got a lot to get to. There's, there's like, and I know I just said that we're not really like it's not going to be mainly about the Bruins, but like, what the f- dude? There is a lot going on th- with this team right now. Yeah, like we but- we knew it was going to be a crazy rocky off season, yeah. but already there's just rumors left and right up and down everywhere yeah man especially this uh this anonymous you know all this all this anonymous stuff man about Bergie and Krejci and just crazy to think about man and honestly in my mind I'm I'm preparing for the worst I'm preparing yeah. for both of them to to be gone next year um and ready to move on so I, I, what what's your take on this whole thing I, I don't know, dude. I think I think Krejci, I think the, the team will be okay if Krejci leaves. You you already got Zaka. You know Zaka's going to be at least comfortable stepping into that 2C role. Um, but if Bergeron leaves, I don't it, – it, maybe it's a little – how do I say? Like, um, not exactly biased, but just we've been so comfortable for with having Bergeron on this team as that 1C for, like, almost two decades now. So it's just it's it's the it's the turn in the change of an era. If Bergeron is done, it's almost like like where is this team going? He's been the guy in the locker room alongside Zdeno Chara. Everybody knows it was a one A one B captainship situation. Chara is gone. If Bergeron's gone, then it's like okay, who's who's right in the ship? You know who's who's right. taking the charge? Yeah, you know I compare it a lot to. Uh, like when Brady left the Pats, man, like yes. everyone was just in shock. No idea which direction we were going in. And I think it's going to be very similar, man. Like you lose the greatest two-way center, I would argue. I'd love oh, if yeah. anyone would argue otherwise. Yeah. Um, you're losing. Like, like of all time. Those integral parts of this team. And, yeah. you know, like I said, what, what direction do you take next? Who steps up as a leader? Do you, do you go fully into a rebuild, a retool? Like, what direction do you take? That, see, that's – I don't think and, – and me and Nick were talking about this on the Something's Brewing podcast the other day too. I don't think you need a complete rebuild. I don't think you need to tear it down. I don't think you need to panic and start selling off pieces left and right. 
because think you got pasta you for the next eight years you have right. pasta you have um charlie mcavoy you have hampus lindholm i would consider jake debrusque a, a pretty big piece of this future you got zaka I, I still think he's underrated anyways in this fan base. I don't think people realize how good and how not only how young he is either, but his ceiling, I think he's still growing. Right. And you, you got young pieces coming up too. You got Lori in the system. You got Lysel in the system who, you know, everybody's basically in the same consensus that he's not going to be ready next year. So don't, you know, pump the brakes on having him in the lineup, right. but still he's in the system. Guys like Jeremy Swayman, your future goalie, you, you have pieces on this team. I don't think you need a complete rebuild. I think you need a retool, maybe something similar to what we saw in 2015, 2016, you know, that era of Bruins hockey where they're not, you know, complete dog shit, but they're also not going to be a top competitor in the league. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah, they have a lot of pieces on this team that, you know, other teams that are going to be competing next year are going to be interested in. Um I got a lot of people riled up on the Linus Allmark thing. Yeah. Uh, and man, th- he's a, he's a goaltender that I think has a lot of value, obviously coming off, which I think is going to be a Vesna winning year. Um, and I think he has a lot of value and I think you could get a lot of pieces um, for him. Yeah. And I think, you know, players like Taylor Hall, I hate to say it, Matt Grizzlick, love his game, but I, I do agree with you. I think he's going to be a piece that, that moves. And like I said, man, I, they don't have a great, prospect system um and i think they need to start rebuilding that up um yeah. by a lot of these pieces yeah and see and that's the thing with this team right now you you have two i would argue elite goalies maybe maybe you not use the elite tag on swayman yet but he's definitely a top tier goalie um lena solmark is coming off of one of the best seasons a goalie has ever had his value is never going to get higher and if if you if you have an asset in Linus Olmark that's expendable with a guy like Jeremy Swayman in the back, I think it would be wise for the team to move on, unfortunately, from Olmark and get what you can for him and help speed up that process a little bit. Yeah, I you know I was just listening to you and Nick on uh, something brewing, and you know you guys brought up a really good point. Why not sell high on Olmark? Right. There's a ton. There's a ton of veteran goalies that are available. Um, you guys mentioned Corey Schneider. Um, you know, Martin Jones. And I, like I said, I think you could get a lot for, um, you know, for Allmark right now. And why, why wouldn't you, you right. know, clearly, you know, clearly we don't know what he couldn't bring it in the playoffs. I mean, in, in my opinion, if you're losing your top two centers, why wouldn't you start a retool, bring in some young talent, some, we need forwards. Um, yeah, that's the. I mean, that's the route I would take. But it's kind of it kind of sucks that we're kind of just waiting on you know two guys. So yeah. it's going to determine what route they take. No, a hundred percent, dude. And so I I don't want to get too thrown off the off the course right now. So like we said too, we're going to be talking all around the league. So we're going to be talking some Vegas Stanley Cup. Um, you know what's next for Vegas too? I mean, they just won. What's their next step? Yeah. Um. We kind of just touched on Bruins rumors, but we'll probably get into it a little more. Maybe a little bit of OEL. Calgary, dude. Calgary seems like they're in a absolute Wild dumpster fire right now. Yeah. Literally. And, yeah, and then some mock drafts, uh, draft talk, NHL awards, stuff like that. So, yeah. So, like we said, too, like, we're going to – it's not going to be just Bruins. We're going to be getting into everything. So, what did you – like, what do you want to touch on first? You want to touch some Vegas? 
Yeah, let's, you know, shout out to the Vegas Golden Knights, man. Freaking yeah, getting it done. Shout out Bruce Cassidy, Juicy Brucey. And, uh, juicy, Juicy Brucey. <laughs> yeah, unreal. Unreal, man. Just, you know, so happy for him. Um, hell of a coach. Um, you know, that was, a, that was another thing I was seeing on Twitter as well. You know, what, what if we wouldn't have let go of, of Cassidy? We should have never let go of Cassidy. And, and honestly, I think it's complete bullshit when you look at it from a hockey standpoint and, you know, the relationship between the coach and players. I'm not saying anything negative about Bruce Cassidy because he's yeah. obviously a hell of a coach. There comes a time when you, not necessarily that he lost the locker room, but that relationship, it just wasn't working anymore. It's it's black and white. And there's, no, you know, there's nothing wrong with Cassidy as a coach. I knew he was going to get a job within five minutes after that firing. There's nothing yeah. wrong with him as a coach, you know, but it was just time as far as the Bruins go, it was time for him to, you know, it was time for them to move on. And I think ultimately they made the right call, but still, man, shout out, shout out Cassidy. That's, that's unreal. Yeah, dude. And that nothing made me more angry than when people were saying, you know, the Bruins should not have gotten rid of Cassidy, blah, 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 all that bullshit, dude. Like every coach, as soon as they sign that dotted line as a head coach of whatever team, there's already a lifeline on them. There's already a timeline. And Cassidy, not only was he with the Bruins, with the, the Boston Bruins for six years, but he was also in Providence for a little bit. So he's been in this system for a while. Guys grew up in his system. Guys played with him with him in his system in Boston. That message gets stale. Six years for an NHL coach is honestly a long time. It is, and and it's not like he didn't have success here. He just he just couldn't get over that final you know the final hump of a Stanley Cup championship in this city. That's not to say he was doing anything wrong. It's not to say he got fired because he made bad decisions. He just got fired because the the message that he had in the locker room got stale. And the guys in the room thought that it would be wise to move on, have a, a, a new voice in there, have a new direction, maybe some fresh ideas too. And you saw Montgomery come in and they had a 65-win season. Like, like, I don't know how you can complain about that. And And also too, it's not like you mentioned, he's not a bad coach. He's a very, very good hockey coach, and he proved that this season. Vegas got back into the Stanley Cup playoffs. They got back into the Stanley Cup final, and they ended up beating Florida in five, correct? Yeah. Yeah, five yeah. games, Stanley Cup championship, the first one ever in Vegas's history, and I'm happy for Bruce. Like, like I don't know how you couldn't be. You, exactly, man. Like, as, as a fellow hockey fan and, you know, especially a guy who came up through the Bruins, why wouldn't you be happy for him? You know, and, and going back to talking about if you lost the message in the room, you know, the message wasn't being relayed, correct, you know, whatever. Yeah. He was coaching a completely different team in Vegas. You know what I mean? They're a lot more seasoned. you got guys like Petrangelo, Mark Stone, Eichel, like a lot older of a team, um, a lot more seasoned of a team, a lot more experienced, in my opinion. Um yeah. And, and like I said, man, it was a perfect fit for him. So, you know, again, shout out Bruce. Yeah, dude. Shout out Bruce. Yeah, I, you know, I hope, I hope if we see him again next year, if he comes to Boston, I hope he gets an ovation, dude. He, he deserves it. He should. He yeah. absolutely should. And and like I said, man, the, you got these Bruins fans that they just look at it for, for, you know, the black and white. Well, we shouldn't, have, we shouldn't have fired him. Like, look, look at what he did. He's coaching a completely different team, completely different message. And, you know, it worked for Vegas. 
And, you know, I think it was a great move by both teams and it worked out for both teams. So I think in the long run, it's, it's going to be good for both. Dude, just like random thought, but thinking about Vegas, what do you think Barbashev is going to make this off season? Barbashev is going to get a bag. Dude, he's um, going to make so much money. In my opinion, I think he is the best free agent, unrestricted free agent available. No, I agree. Like I said, I, I was actually just listening to uh, Spit and Chicklets, and they were talking about what you know what route is Vegas going to take? Are they going to offer him the bag? I mean, Barbashev's coming two Stanley Cups, man. So, so at this point, is he going to want to take another pay cut and go to another contender, or is he going to want to get a bag? I mean, and he absolutely deserves it. He's a yeah. game changer, and you know, there's not a lot of players in the NHL like him. Um, I had a feeling whoever got him at the deadline was going to make a serious run, and lo and yeah. behold, you know, it worked out for Vegas. Yeah, dude, like he's just—he's got—he's the whole package. He's a playoff type player too. Oh, yeah, That's... He's, a, he's a ballsy grinder, man. And like I said, he just—it's something about his game. He's got a bite to his game that you know, any play, team gunning for a playoff run. Why wouldn't you want him in your locker room? Yeah, literally. Like, he's just – he's everything you need in the playoffs. Obviously, we saw this season. You yeah. need that You need that grit. Like, you yeah. have to. You need to have that in your lineup when it's – when, you know, April, May, and June roll around. You need that. It's crucial. Yeah, you know, and Biz on Spit and Chicklets, he brought up a really good point, man. Like you said, two, coming, two Stanley Cups, obviously – I, I have a feeling, man, hockey players, they're just different. I don't have, I don't think he's going to be chasing a bag. I mean, yeah. sorry, a, another playoff run, like a, a cup contender. Mm-hmm. He brought up a team like Chicago, drafting Bedard, having him play on that first line with Bedard, dude, almost as like a uh, protector. Um, but, you know, he can also still play and put the puck in the net. Yeah. What, do you, what are your thoughts on, on, you know, a Chicago move? I mean, I think it's pretty interesting. Dude, I would – Honestly, like it makes sense, and Chicago has plenty of money to throw a barbershop to. You, you, like, there, it's going to be a couple of years until they're a legit contender again, if they if they do everything right. So, if you have a guy like Barbashev in that lineup for say, like what I don't know, uh, seven mil, six six and a half, seven. Yeah, I'd say I'd say between six and seven is a fair number for him. I mean, yeah. like that he he's a good he's a 20, 30 goal scorer. I think. You know, yeah, especially and, and, with Bedard, I mean, you got a protector on that line, man, and you know he's going to be good for the next three to four years, I think. You know, yeah, uh, and then, and and that also keeps him in your lineup, in your system, in the Chicago lineup for a couple more seasons. Once that that team starts to get a little more draw, it starts to bring you know big name free agents, maybe a couple of big draft picks in, and you start to build the team. Having Ivan Barbashev in that lineup and then maybe have him slide down off that first line, maybe play second or third line, and then you have Bedard's weapons off to the wing. I mean, that's that's a team. That's a scary yeah. team. Yeah, this, you know, this Chicago rebuild is starting to feel a lot like, you know, the beginning of the Taves and Kane era. Um, yes, you know, yes. you're gonna draft, you're gonna draft Bedard. They just drafted Kyle Korchinski last year. Think of think of when they drafted Taves and Kane. Duncan Keith was drafted around the same time. So now you're, you're going to be taking Bedard number one. You've got Korchinski coming up, who I think has the potential to be a top pair defenseman. And mm-hmm. then, I mean, they're, I would assume they're going to tank again next year. You yeah. know, and there, there's a <laughs> lot of talent in next year's draft. Like, I, I just have a feeling it's going to be very similar to that, to their rebuild with Taves, Kane, and Keith. 
it's funny because they might tank and they might not even do it on purpose. Like they just might still be yeah. a shitbag team. <laughs> Man, this year they they didn't even really hide it. This year, I mean, no. they were they were absolutely pathetic. Dude, they but. were. I I thought Arizona was going to be the worst team, and then Chicago comes strolling in with what, like twelve wins, fifteen wins, something yeah, like man, that. Clay, Clayton Keller wasn't having that, man. No, <laughs> he no, wasn't letting dude. that happen. Dude, what do you think is going to happen with Arizona? Honestly, I. It's hard to say because I can't really. I I knew Logan Cooley was going to be going back to school, um, yeah. and I knew they wouldn't have him. Now this year's draft is going to be really interesting. I think. I know we're kind of going all over the place with the as far as draft talk and it, it um, kind of it kind of works though because it's a natural little segue into the draft, right? Exactly, man. And honestly, it really depends. I mean, if they decide to go with a guy like Mitchkov, right? Mm-hmm. Who he's been telling teams that he doesn't plan on coming over. I was and, just you know, shout out right. to the guys over at the Empty Netters podcast. It brought up an awesome point that I didn't really even think about is. You remember a very similar situation with Yarmir Yager. Yes. He, you know, he was threatening not to come over. He wanted to play with Mario, man. And honestly, do you risk taking a guy and then potentially having him not come over? Like, it's such a difficult position to be in. And I think about, I think about Arizona, man. Like, do you take the risk and take draft a guy like Mitchkov, or like, are you trying? What are you trying to build here? Like, are you even going to be here in the next however many years? You know right. what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. what what is the plan? I I have no idea what direction they're going in. Um, you know, I I love Clayton Keller as a player. Um, just an unreal talent, and you know, it's kind of it's kind of sad that he's buried out there. Yeah, almost. It's it's like you said. Like, if if Arizona has a chance to get Michkov, if I'm them, and this and these rumors are true, with him saying like, "No, I don't want to play there. I'm not coming over if you draft me," I'm not taking that chance. And with Arizona, I think they have the uh, they have a sixth overall pick. Yeah, right? sixth overall. Yep. Okay, so then they can probably go for a guy like uh, like I don't know Ryan Leonard. Like Ryan Leonard is a good player, dude. If they can get him at six, I I I think he could fit into that system pretty well. And he's a he's kind of a low key guy too. I agree, man. And honestly, it's because of how loaded this U.S. national team was. Yeah. Uh, you know, dude. Well, between Will Smith. Uh, Perot and yeah. Leonard. Yeah, Leonard's and Leonard would be an unreal pick. Another guy, I think, Zach Benson. Yeah, who, yeah, yeah. Dude, unreal talent. You know, he's five little guy. He's five nine, one sixty three from Winnipeg. Uh, the Winnipeg Ice, if I'm not mistaken. And I could see him fitting in there. Um, you know this this draft doesn't have a ton of NHL ready prospects in my mind. I mean, obviously Bedard is. Dude, he's like an anomaly. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. you're looking at like Fantilli. I have a feeling Fantilli's going to be going back to school. Um, you know, and then Leo Carlson, who he's unreal too. Um, yeah, there. I mean, there's a ton of different routes that they could go. You kind of saw this this year that they were dumping. You know, they got rid of Chikrin. Um, it's it's hard to say what route they're going to go, man. Like, I, I don't really feel like they have a direction at this point. Like. Yeah. All I all I do know is I wouldn't take a chance on a guy like Mitchkov being their organization. Um you know, if 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 I'm sitting there say a team like um like Philly, man, or even like Montreal, like I know they need players right now, but like 
I would I would consider taking that risk, man, because he like they say his ceiling is as high as like you know a Carlson. Like a lot of a lot of uh, NHL insiders have him as the second best ranked prospect in this draft. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, man. Like at, at one at some point you have to. I just with with the amount of with how bad Arizona is, I don't know if I take that risk. I would take a more sure, like you said, that a Ryan Leonard, a Zach Benson. A Dvorsky, like one of those guys. Even Reinbacher too. Reinbacher is no no joke either. I think Reinbacher is, I think, the best defenseman in this draft. Yeah, um, yeah, honestly, I agree. I, dude. I don't think it's close. Um, I mean, you look at like what what teams you think the the team that I think that goes for Reinbacher, it's it's Philly. Yeah. Um, you know, just trading Provorov. Um, like I said, I think they're gonna reload on the back end. Um, and I could see a guy like Reinbacher going going to Philly. Yeah, David Reinbacher. I'm pretty sure he's like a gigantic person too. Yeah, I think he's a well. So he's a, he's six two, one eighty five. Oh, okay. Um, so actually, not really. <laughs> he's not too. What a great skater, man. He he's you know he's an unreal skater, offensive defenseman. I I think he's like I said. I think he's the best defenseman in this draft. Um, do you do you see any teams? Trade you trade in those top picks, any team maybe like a Columbus who's who's kind of in a position with a new coach. Maybe they're looking to make a big splash. I mean, they already got pieces. Dude. They're, they're going to have Wierenski back. They you know, got Gaudreau. They got Line A. A team that I that I think um, been doing a lot of research on it. The Ducks, man. Mm. Like I think the Ducks are going to be. I, I love Fantilli. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but if you can move back, say a team like Columbus, you know Columbus wants to move up one. And you can get either, you know, another another early pick, and just for moving moving back. I mean, there's a lot of talent in this draft. Um, I think this is one of the most loaded drafts in recent years um, that I can remember, at least. Um, I look at a team like Anaheim. Why not, dude? Like you've got they've got so much, so many prospects. Why why not? Yeah. I mean, it's like I said, if, if you think. If you have your guy and they know their guy, you can take him late um, later in the draft. Why not move back? Yeah, um, and, you know another team. I look at like Washington. That's I was just gonna mention Washington. Like, yep. you're you're literally just. I think they're just waiting, get wait, waiting it out, letting Ovi get that record, and then what? I would accumulate picks for as long as I freaking could, as many as I could, because once Ovi's gone, they're in a full rebuild. Oh, you know what time. I mean? Like, why? Again, why not? What are you competing for? Yeah, I don't think they're a good team. I, I, I don't know, man. Like I said, I think they're just waiting out Ovi to get this record, this goals record, and then they're going to be in a full rebuild. So I they're, would trade that. Yeah, the Caps aren't in a good position at all. They have Ovi. I mean, Carlson's getting older. Backstrom, I'm pretty sure he, he's been having injury problems every single season. Yeah, he's been super uh, injury prone. Yeah, um, Tom Wilson's slowing down. He's got glue in his skates. Um, <laughs> freaking TJ Oshie's older too. Slow, like, though. like, and I don't even think they really have a true number one goalie right now, unless unless I'm blanking. No, I, honestly, I'd have to look and see who there even is on their depth chart. See, that's um, what I'm saying. Just the fact that we don't know off the top of our head is is almost enough. Like they just don't have the depth that they used to. Yeah. And they, they don't play with the same dominance as they used to either. Yeah, so right now I'm looking it up, man. They Darcy Kemper. 
Yeah. Like, that's not... It, you know, Darcy Kemper had success when he had a team like freaking Colorado. And it, <laughs> right. you know, Washington's yeah. a little different than Colorado. So... Yeah, you got guys like Landeskog, McKinnon, um, Ranton. Yeah, McCarr. Yeah, Yeah, that guy's all right. He's he's okay. (laughs) Yeah, man, unreal. So, yeah, this draft, man, it's it's so loaded. Um, You know, I I was convinced that Mitchkov was going to be going to San Jose. Like, I, I thought it was just too good to, like, too good of an opportunity. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, San Jose you kind of know that they want to be bad for the next couple of years. Like they're in that rebuild phase. They can wait on a player like Mitch Cobb for two or three years. Yeah. Um, but then obviously they got linked to Will Smith, which I also think is a great fit for them. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have any, how about sleepers? You have any sleeper picks? Maybe some guys who are paid to go late in the draft, maybe on your radar a little bit. Yeah. So you know, I had there's one prospect that came to mind immediately, and uh, that's Matthew Wood. Yes, I, dude. I, um, dude, I love Matthew Wood. 6'3, 195, right winger out of UConn. Um, they have him going anywhere between 13 to the Sabres and 18 to the Jets. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's going to be, in my opinion, man, having watched him, um, the Frozen Fenway game is where I saw him, man, and he just. Again, he was the clear best player on the ice every single shift. Yeah. And you knew when 71 when 71 was on the ice, man, he was making plays left and right. And for him to be projected top 20 pick and he played at UConn, pretty impressive. Um, you know, like I said, he was just a he's a gamer, man. He, you know, he's big frame, can put the puck in the net, power forward. For him to go 13, I think that would be a lot of mock drafts have him projected 13 to Buffalo. And I think yeah. that would be an absolute steal kind of that connection with Tage Thompson, who also attended uh, UConn. Um, yeah. So I can see it, but I think, man, for him to fall to 13, I think that would be a steal for them. Yeah. Like you said, dude, it's a, it's a deep draft, but I'm looking at this. So I'm looking at a bleacher report mock draft right now. And they have this guy six foot two, 200 pound. 78 points in 53 games. Dude, Quentin Musty. Quentin Musty is no joke either. He's a big guy. He's got a big frame. He can produce. They, I'm surprised they have him going 30. He, yeah, this, I'm looking at this mock draft right now, uh, myNHLdraft.com, yeah. projecting him to go to the Rangers at 23. Mm. I'm look, Yeah, I'm looking at his stat line, man. 23 or 30? That, that yeah. I feel like it's a steal at that point, but going back to what you said, it's such a loaded draft. Like, and I think you're going to see a lot of teams trying to trade back into that, back into the first round, um, trying to get the talent. Man, like it's a, like I said, unreal draft. I mean, in recent years, I think this is the best draft I've seen. Yeah. So obviously, obviously, with a team like the Bruins, and and you don't really, it, it's hard to project them right now and what their offseason moves are going to be because I feel like it relies so heavily on Bergeron coming back or not. Not only because it's Bergeron, but because that's your one seat. Like you need, like going into the season, you need to have a one seat. So it's, it's like the whole team revolves around that. So if say he doesn't come back, right. Say he's done. Say, say he calls it a career. Obviously he's coming off an injury. Um, obviously everybody knows the, you know, what's going on with his father 
he's got some personal things going on. So maybe he really is ready to kind of call it a career. If that happens, can you see the Bruins using some assets to move up in this draft? Or do you think that they're going to look more in terms of already established players who can help in the now? No, I honestly, I believe they have a, they have a ton of talent, right? Yeah. Go back to Allmark, you know, Hall, Grizz. I think there's a lot of teams that could use those kind of players. I mean, like I said, Allmark's coming off a Vesna season. Like let's not just, let's not just skirt around that. Like he's got value. You know what I mean? Like there are teams at this, at the end of this first round, even mid first round that could use a a one goalie. And that's what he is. He is like, there's no getting around that. And I think honestly, if you find out we have a week until the draft about, I don't see a decision coming. No, you know, and, and honestly, I have a feeling that's why it's been pretty quiet. Um, I don't, it's, it's hard to say, man, with a week left until the draft, I just don't see them making any crazy moves to yeah. move up. I think they're going to stay put and just try to, you know, just draft, you know, try to fill out Providence. I just don't see them making any crazy moves to move up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't either. I'd love to see them do it. Obviously, like if they're going to be in a retool rebuild, you'd love to see them move up and take a big name, but I, I just don't see at this point we're waiting on Krejci and Bergeron. I, I just don't see them making a crazy move without knowing what, what's next for those two. Yeah. Do you honestly, like just personally, do you think this team would be better with or without Krejci? I'm going to, I'm going to catch some slack for this. I know. Um, I, I think it's time to move on from him. Chris, I'm in the same boat as you. I, I'm in the same boat. Obviously, super thankful for everything he's done throughout his Bruins career. Has had an unbelievable career. Um, it, it's just time, man. You know, going kind of goes back to that conversation about like Cassidy, man. Like, it, it's just time. Yeah. You know, they had their run. This was their all-in year. You're they're never going to have a roster like they had last year. No. It's facts. <laughs> no, you know, not even close. That does exist. Yeah. And you know, they're they're just not going to have a season like they did last year. And yeah. The reality is you got Zaka coming up, who I think has the potential to be a two-center. Even Coyle, man. I, Coyle is so underrated in my mind. The yeah. fact that he's a three-center on this – that he was a three-center on that team. He's a, he's a top – he's a top, you know, six forward on any – on almost any other team in my yeah. eyes. You know, and, and like I said, man, just watching Krejci, man, he's, he's slowed down um, – Thankful for everything. He, I think it's just time to move on. You know, I, I'm, I'm more worried about Bergeron at this point because I, just watching him, I know he can still play at a high level. I mean, he's going to win the Selkie this year. He's yeah. unbelievable in the defensive zone. Um, I'm more worried about what Bergeron's going to do because I, I think that's going to be very telling what direction this team takes. Yeah, dude, I'm in the same boat as you. Like, you could see it towards the end of the season. Krejci was getting gassed. He wasn't He wasn't producing at the same clip as he was earlier in the season. You could kind of tell that some plays were just going by him a little too quickly. His decision-making was a little bit almost hesitant at times. Or like the game was just too quick for him at, at moments. And especially at the end of the year, it's like the last three quarters of the season, he was just out of gas. He had no energy left. And I, I think it's 
like you said, I think it's just time. And it was a good comparison too with Cassidy. Like sometimes it's just, it's just, you know, times run out. Like that's it. If you want to keep being a competitive team, like do you, do you really want the one and two seed for this team to be like 38 and 37 years old? You really want that? That's, that's a lot to put on two older guys to run the season and run your top six. Yeah. You know, the one and two centers, they eat up a lot of ice. Oh you yeah. Know, so I think having those the older guys be, you know, take up take up as much ice as they do, you're taking away from the younger guys' development. You're not giving these younger guys ice time. So how are right. they gonna develop? You know what right. I mean? And I just think it's time, man. Give Zaka the opportunity to to be, you know, in the middle on that second line. And, you know, I really hope Bergeron comes back, man. Like obviously yeah. I, I want to do what's best for him and his family, but Man, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough blow. It it makes you emotional just thinking about it because that's like your childhood, man. Like we grew up, literally. That he's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a loss like Tom Brady. Yeah, I yeah. think it's gonna be very similar to that. He he's been with us forever, won with us, and it, it's just gonna be crazy to think about a Bruins team without Patrice Bergeron. I mean, yeah, me and Nick were talking about it the other day. Um, same exact thing. The the entire childhood and the entire time that i've watched bruins hockey patrice bergeron has been on this team in one capacity or the other he has always been here he's been the one mainstay for my whole life with this team char is gone the guy all you know boy chuck mcquade all these guys thomas tuca they're all gone but bergeron has been here for almost two decades it's insane to think about he was drafted the year that i was in kindergarten it's like I just started forming thoughts the year that he got drafted. I just I just gained consciousness, and this guy is playing NHL minutes. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's like if yeah. he's gone, like it's just the it's a new it's the signal of a new era of Bruins hockey. Right. Yeah. It's it's again just crazy to think about. Like even when he came back on that one year, like I kind of put it in the you know. I kind of blocked it out like, oh, no, he'll be back next year. Like, I didn't even remember that he, you know, he's going to be a free agent. Because, he, man, he was playing at such a high level. You just thought you're like, this dude could play forever. Yeah. Like, it's just crazy to think about that this team will not have Bergeron at some point. And I know. It sucks. I hate saying about no, it. <laughs> it's just crazy to think they have – they could go any which direction. You know what I mean? Like, they could, they could very well go into a full rebuild. I, I don't know what – you know, I, I think another interesting thing I, I saw, it was a poll that you had. Mm-hmm. Do you deal Marshan? Like, like I, I don't know, man. It, it's so hard to – because we have that Boston, like, bias yeah. where, you know, we oh, we can't trade Marshan. Like, what do you mean? He's, he's going to be a Bruin forever. But the reality is, and you brought it up with Nick, it's a business. Yeah. Like, it is a business. If if Marshan has any sort of value that's going to help this team rebuild and retool, I think you have have to at least consider it. Yeah, you, I think you would be doing a, a disservice if you don't at least listen to calls and see what you could get. Because if you say say if you take all your bias out, right, and you get hired as the Bruins general manager, you come in no bias at all. You look at the assets that you have. You got an aging Brad Marchand still producing, but he's aging and he's at a $6 million cap hit. That's very valuable. And for a team that still has young pieces, like we said, for the future, 
you might want to explore that and you might want to see what you can get. Now, I know neither of us are advocating for it per se, right? Exactly. But if you're looking at it with no bias, you look at it and you go, okay, it might be best for the organization to capitalize on this right now. But on the flip side too, and Nick brought this up, it's does that send a message to, to younger guys in the organization that, okay, I have an expiration date and once that expiration date hits or at least gets close to it, they're going to ship me off for a shiny new toy basically. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say it, man. I just think that's the reality of sports now. Right. You right. know, I don't think anyone is untouchable. It's mm-hmm. very rare to see, I think in any sport, one player play his whole career with one team. It's so rare. I mean, it, it's more, you know, it's more common in the NHL, but it's, it really isn't like you look at players like Ovi. Um, yeah. I think about like Kopitar. I can't see Kopitar going to another team. Like it, it's just yeah. rare. Like, you know, Marlowe got shipped off. Like it, it's just crazy. These players that you think that are going to be with their teams forever. It's just not, it's not a reality, dude. It's not the way yeah. it's a business. And yeah. again, the way that I think about, trades in the nhl and rebuilds and retool i always try to think about it from other teams perspective not just the bruins so if yes. i'm a playoff team thinking you know looking at a player like brad marshan with that six million you know cap hit why wouldn't i would go all in for a player like that yes he yeah. could bring your team to the next level and, and for you know on the bruins side of it i absolutely would at least consider it yeah because you know? then you you run the risk of just letting I, I hate to I, yeah I, I hate to I hate to like categorize him as an asset because it just sounds so like dehumanizing a little bit but <laughs> if if you really look at it as an asset it's it 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 makes a, it makes more than a little bit of sense like it, it really truly does and and I understand the whole you know the loyalty aspect you know he Marshawn has given his whole career to us we should do right by him and allow him to finish strong here. But you, there's other ways to do right by him too. If you sit him down and you have a conversation and you lay it all out and you tell him exactly why this is happening, the direction that the organization is going and you just be straight up honest with him, then he may be a little more understanding. And like we said, it's a business and you can give him the option of like, okay, these are the potential destinations are there any of these that you prefer over the others? And you can do right by him that way. No one's ever going to forget about Brad Marshall here. He's already a Bruin for life. Even if he retires elsewhere, people will remember him as a Bruin. Nothing else. Yes. And again, let's reiterate, we are not advocating for the Bruins to trade before right. we get absolutely friggin' roasted. <laughs> yeah, right. We're not advocating for Brad Marshall to get traded. It's yeah. like Lucic, man. Like you're seeing all these rumors about Lucic. Lucic is a Bruin for life. Yeah, he spent all this time with Calgary. He is a Bruin for life. And I and like you said, man, it's gonna be the same thing for Marshan. Dude, all right. I, I just because you brought Lucic up, so I put that poll out on Twitter. I'm trying to find it right now. Okay, it's right here. So I, I basically just asked it, with Lucic being a UFA, would you want to see a Lucic Bruins re- reunion next season? The options were yes, bring back Luch, no, old, slow, wash, etc. The poll had 857 votes. What do you think the percentages were? 
I'm, dude, I'm going to guess the vast majority. Bring him back. Yeah. Dude, 54% of people said bring Lucic back. 46% said no. Dude, it's I have crazy. to I have to admit, I saw the poll. Yeah. Didn't even think about it. I saw I, you know, Twitter fingers, dude. Yeah. I hit that yes so fast and then I regretted it immediately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dude, like, like again, man, I, I love Lucic, but he has an expiration date, man. Like, what is what is he gonna bring to this team if like yes, he, he's a Bruin for life. And to take that Bruins bias out of it, what is he gonna do to help this team? Nothing. I hate to say it. <laughs> like, I hate to say it. Love him. Like, one of my favorite Bruins of all time. But. Yeah, that, just, that, it's a that jersey that jersey behind me is a Lucci's jersey. Like, yeah, I still have awesome legend, dude. And, like, I, I just don't see how he's going to help this team. Like, obviously, his leadership is, you know, second to none. But I, I just don't see how his game at this point in his career is going to help this team. No. And, and, and I think by putting him in the lineup, you're taking away development from other, you know, other kids in Providence, the Beechers, the Mercula. Like, I think you're just taking away ice ice time at that point from kids yep. that need to develop and need to and need to get on the ice and play. Yep. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. It's like if he does come back, how does that make your team better? It honestly makes your team worse. He's slow. He's a he's I would argue he's a defensive liability. He doesn't produce as often as he used to. He takes stupid, dumb penalties that have no place, unfortunately, in the game anymore. Fighting is rarely a part of the sport right now. Yep. So what does he bring that can help your team get better? Nothing. He's, he's just going to be an anchor to that fourth line and drag everybody down. And also to your point of, you know, blocking development from our younger players who the majority of us so badly want to see be integrated into this lineup guys like Beecher guys like McLaughlin guys like Lauko guys like um Merkula I'm probably forgetting one um but regardless it takes ice time away from them for for what for an aging vet who can barely skate anymore it's it for the nostalgia purposes yeah for nostalgia that's literally it (laughs) yeah that's it like and that's all you're gonna get from it too it's like you're gonna for the first week of the season you're gonna be excited you're gonna hear the old the luge from the rafters in the garden and then he's gonna take a dumb penalty and then he's gonna take another dumb penalty and then another dumb penalty, and people are going to be like, okay, all right, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, why did we do this? That's what it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, like I said, it it was such a fast move. Like, I, it, it almost brought me back to, like, my days of growing up watching the bees and just loving Luch. Yes. Then you sit back and think about it, and you're like, yeah, this, is, this just isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's tough, but I, I don't think it's the right move. Um, I think there's other options out there um, yeah. besides him, but you kind of yeah. have one in your, you kind of have one right now in Hathaway. If you resign him, he's a, he's almost like a younger Lucic in a, in a way, or a, at least like a modern day Lucic where he's not just gooning it up the whole time. Like he's also out there playing decent defense, contributing every now and then on the score sheet. But Lucic, he's too old. He's too slow. He's, it, it's just, it's not a good idea. And it's a disaster if it happens. Yeah. My, you know, my choice for someone I'd love that, you know, to be a consistent fourth liner is Lauko. 
Yes. I love yes. his game, man. I, I, he can, he can play. And I really hope next year that he's going to be, you know, in that lineup daily, you know? Yep. And I just think I, I liked what I saw from him, man. And I, I can't remember what game it was where he dropped the mitts and, you know, he was pumping up the crowd and that's exactly what you used to see out of a player like Lucic. Yeah. And, you know, he was just so dedicated. He wanted the crowd in it. And it was a momentum shift for them. And that's exactly what, you know, what you need from a fourth line guy. That is what Lauko is. He's just, he's like the gear in a car. If you need some momentum, you throw him out there and all of a sudden you just throw it in a third or fourth gear. And he's, and then the crowd's all of a sudden into it. There's juice in the building. There's juice in the lineup. He's that guy. And honestly, too, if, if, and it's a hypothetical, I guess, but if there isn't a way for the Bruins to bring back a guy like Frederick, I could even see Lauko playing third line minutes. He, I think he, I think he could, maybe not excel in the third line, but I think he'd be a decent enough player where he'd be able to fill that role and play it, in, in you know, play it well. I agree. Um, and yeah. just going back to you know talking about Charlie Coyle, it is not normal to have a player like Charlie Coyle as your third line center. That is yeah. just not normal. And yeah. the question I got to ask: Do you think that had you know with Halsey? And Coyle being on that third line, do you think that was one of the main reasons why Frederick had such a good season, 17 goals? Dude, he was and, and, 20. And do you think that and do you think that he does that going to another team? I don't know, man. It's so it's so weird because I don't think anyone expected that kind of production out of Frederick this year, right? Like nobody expected you know, three goals under 20. That's insane for Frederick. Um, I don't have his point totals. Do you have his point totals in front yeah, of you? Let me pull them up real quick. Yeah, because we all knew he had potential, but I didn't expect him to get on the score sheet as often as he did this year. Yeah, you know, and I think going back, I think him playing with, like, again, if he's playing on a line with Coyle and Hall on a third line, you think about it matchup-wise, that's a yeah. that's a nightmare matchup for any team, as that being your third line. Like that's... I almost would have expected him to put up those numbers. Like I would have been disappointed if he didn't. Yeah, you're playing with Charlie Coyle, who is the mo- one of the most underrated bottom six forwards. Like could easily slide into a top six role. Yes, and again, Taylor Hall, former Hart Trophy winner. Like, yeah, I would and, hope and... that he would put up those kind of numbers. Um, like. Coil, coil, easily the best three C in the league. Not even a question. Yeah, I don't, and I don't think it's close. So you know, he put up seventy nine games, uh, seventeen goals, fourteen assists, thirty one points. It's not bad. It's not bad. Plus twenty eight, and then fifty seven pims. Yeah, something that's a, that's that I a, saw. Yeah, you know, something that I saw out of Frederick that kind of didn't, you know, not bothered me, but. I feel like he drops the mitts when it's convenient for him. Okay, not, that's fair. Not, not when the ga- you know, not when the game entails it or needs yeah. it or when the Bruins need a momentum shift. And I saw that a lot in the playoffs, dude. Like especially yeah. with his stuff with Lomberg. Like he it just feel like Florida got a huge momentum shift. You yeah. know, he didn't want to drop the mitts at that point. Yeah, that's a fair point. I never really thought of that. Um you know, and, and you look at a player like Hathaway. Like Hathaway will do it when the game calls for it. Like not when it's convenient for him, not when it's someone that he thinks he could, you know, win against in a fight. 
when the game calls for it, he he stepped up in my mind. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's a good point. That, that kind of bothered me, and I, you know, I very well could be wrong, but it's just the way that I saw things. Yeah, no, dude, that's honestly a good point. But um, okay, so I think we should transition over to the NHL awards, and you know, we'll give our we'll go through all the uh, finalists and all the trophies and give our predictions, but. Obviously, with the NHL awards coming up, that's something that you can gamble on. So if you are a part of that demographic and you like to gamble, make sure that you go to fanduel.com slash Boston, get your benefits, get your rewards, and hopefully you guys can win some money. Gamble responsibly. Gamble, Yeah, definitely gamble responsibly. Um, So let's start here. We'll start with the Hart Trophy. And I think this one is, I mean, this one's pretty obvious, I think. Um, the, the three finalists right now, Matthew Kachuk, Florida, Pasta with the Bruins, and then Karna McDavid up in Edmonton. Got to be McDavid, right? Yeah, I mean, dude, I don't, I don't think it's close. I mean, a lot of these awards I don't think are even close. Um, I think there's a really? runaway winner in every category. In really? my, um, bringing up his stat line right now. Because yeah. I, I just know he had over 100, you know, I want to say like 157 points. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure he was over 150. How is this not pulling it? Which is absolutely bananas. I don't know how you can put up 150 plus points in an NHL season. Yeah, you know, and it's it's really unfortunate that we, you know, we're on the East Coast. We don't get to see a whole lot of them. But yeah. when he played the Bruins, when the Oilers played the Bruins, um, you know, I... Man, I remember Oilers analytics stroking him off the whole game, and I'm like, this, yes. dude, this guy is wild. Then I actually watched McDavid playing the Bruins, and my God, dude, he can just take over games single-handedly whenever he wants. He can yeah. literally score at will. Yeah. And, dude, I, yeah. He, he's somebody who I haven't had the opportunity to see him play in person yet, but if, if Edmonton comes to Boston next year, I'm getting that ticket right yeah. when it drops. So – my old man and I, we went to the when the Bruins played the Oilers, and watching him in warmups, man, his hands, just his vision, like we watched the whole game, and he was easily the best player I've ever seen in person. It, it's yeah. not close. I, I can't think of any other players that I've seen that were even close to his skill set. Just how fast him being on TV doesn't do adjust to his speed in real yeah. time. It doesn't. And, you know, I was talking to my dad, and he said the same thing, man. He said the closest thing that he could compare him to was Paul Correa when he was at UMaine his freshman year. Holy shit. Just un- unbelievable skill. And, you know, I-, I always like going back and watching old videos. And, yeah, dude, like to have my dad say like that, I mean, Korea had an incredible freshman season at Maine. Yeah, I, I was yeah. gonna say if you haven't, if you're listening to this right now and you haven't had the pleasure to see Paul Korea's UMaine, you know, highlights yeah. on YouTube, holy shit, <laughs> like holy shit. Yeah, Monty had a hell of a liney, I guess, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, we're both in consensus with McDavid for the heart. Now, this I see. I think this is when it gets interesting. The Norris, right? The award for the best defenseman in the NHL. Finalists, for some reason, Kale McCarr is on this list this season. I don't think he deserves to be a finalist this year, but, you know, he's there. 
Um, Eric Carlson obviously had an unbelievably offensive season for San Jose. And then Adam Fox with the Rangers. Who do you think? So based on how the award is set up right now. Yeah. Which I think sucks, by the way. Me too. It's going to be Eric Carlson. It, yeah. There's no way that Adam Fox takes it. And I think he's the I think he's the best defenseman in the NHL right now. I do too. In my eyes, all-around defenseman, he is the best defenseman in the NHL. However, unfortunately, the way that this award is set up, and I wish they would try to, you know, make some change, whether it's – I know I heard you and Nosek talking about it, setting up like an offensive defenseman award because yes. the way that yeah. this, this award is set up, it's solely based on points and goals. Like, he was like a minus – correct me if I'm wrong – he was like a minus 26. Yep, minus 26. How is that, how is that an effective defense? I mean, again, it's, yeah, it's you put not. up like 100 points, great. But, like, how, how are we judging this award? It just – and I'm all for doing, like, two separate awards. I think that's the best route to go. An offensive yes. defenseman award and then the best all-around defenseman award. Yes, I 100% agree with that. If say say Eric Carlson put up these numbers, he had 101 points this season on a really crappy San Jose team. Say he put up the same season, but he was a even like a plus four or a plus ten. That's a Norris right there for for best all around defenseman for sure. But he was a minus 26. That's minus 26 is insane. That's so bad defensively. Yeah, not to mention San Jose is one of the worst teams in the NHL. So how how important right. is he really to his team? Like, again, yes, he's the best player on that team. It's not close. Right. But the way that I think that these awards should be judged is also their importance to their team. Like, Adam Fox, dude, had an incredible season. He's my Norris winner. Uh, yes. Who Who's going to win the award? It's Eric Carlson. Who I think should win the award? It's Adam Fox all day. Yep. He's yep. the best defenseman in the NHL, and I, I don't think it – Makar obviously is up there. McAvoy's up there in my mind. Uh, Victor Hedman, there's a lot of really good defensemen, but I think Adam Fox is the best. And, and like, listen to this too. So, so Adam Fox didn't have a bad offensive season either. He had 72 points, 12 goals, 60 assists, and he was a plus 28. That, that should be your Norris winner right there. That's a Norris winner. That should be your Norris winner. Absolutely. But because Eric Carlson had 101 points, I hope it's not him that wins the trophy, but I think it's going to be Carlson, who the winner should be. I think Fox. Definitely agree. Um, so let's see. So, ba, 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 uh, oh, I lost the page. Hang on. We're going to have to cut this part. Um, I got it up right here. The next one, we got the, uh, the Vezina. Okay, so so next we have the Vesna. Yep, three finalists. Okay. We got Connor Hellebuck for the Winnipeg Jets, Ilya Sorokin for the New York Islanders, and obviously our Linus Allmark. Yeah. So this is another one, one. This is another runaway one. I think. I think you have yeah. to give it to Allmark. I mean, obviously, best season. It's it's not close for me. Yeah. Norris and- was a little bit closer, I guess. This award is not close for me. It's it's Dude, all hard. And you got to remember too, it's a regular season award. It, yes. The playoffs don't count. He dude, he was forty six and one. 
with two shutouts and he had a 189 goals against and a 938 save percentage. How do you like like how, how do you not yeah. give that to Allmark? You Bruins, have to give Bruins that to don't Allmark. get that record if if anyone but Allmark is their goalie in my mind. He had no. an unbelievable season. Just stood on his head night in night out. He's he's the winner here. It's it's not close. Yeah, no, I'm 100% with you. It's Allmark. It's not Hellebuck. It's not Sorokin. It's not Shesterkin. It's it's Allmark all the way. All righty. So the next award, we've got the Ted Lindsay Award, which is uh, for the most outstanding player, I believe, voted by the players. This is going to be McDavid. It has to be McDavid. That's a quick one. <laughs> yeah, it's easy. Um Pasta obviously was a finalist for this incredible yeah. season he had, and Eric Carlson. Yeah. Um, see what we got next. The next, yeah, we were, we we were literally just saying how you saw him in person. And you said greatest player that you've ever seen. That's yeah, the most outstanding player. It's yeah. not close. <laughs> it's McDavid. Um, yeah, if you <laughs> ever get the pleasure to see him in person, you have to. I mean, hopefully they come back to Boston next year. Yeah. He is incredible, man, and and not far behind. Drysital too. Yes. Obviously not as fast, but man, the way that he sees the ice, his freaking shot, unbelievable. And the fact that they can't freaking get to the cup, it, it boggles my mind. It's insane, dude. That talk about a team that could use Alina Hallmark. Yeah, you know, and, and a team like Edmonton brings me back to a to a Herb Brooks quote that it's not always about the best players; it's about the right players. Yeah, and I think this is a prime example of you know you have two best players in the world. And I mean, and you got nothing to show for it. Yeah, exactly. All right. So next award, we got the Calder, which is voted for the best rookie in the NHL. Um, Hingham's own Matty Beneers. Yeah. Uh, Owen Power of the Buffalo Sabres and Stuart Skinner for uh, Edmonton. Who's uh, who are you taking? I'm taking Beneers all day. Skinner Skinner kind of made a run for it, but then he he fell flat towards the end. Um, Maddie Beneers, I mean Seattle Kraken, obviously pulling up his stats right now. Matthew, I, I mean, he, there, but he uh twenty twenty four points, thirty three assists. Sorry, twenty four goals, thirty three assists, fifty seven points plus fourteen. I. I don't think that, you know, this is another award, I guess is kind of close, but it's been years for me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he was averaging 17 minutes a night too. It's not like he was playing slacker minutes. Yeah, exactly. And I, and honestly, I think you're looking at the next captain of the Kraken, the first captain of the Kraken. Um, I, I just see him, you know, he was a leader at Michigan. Um, just an unbelievable talent. Um, that's that's my hot take. I think he's the, you know the first captain of the Kraken. They don't have a captain. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think correct so. me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I I'm pretty sure they haven't named a captain. Um, but the, also I think of a player like Yanni Gord too. Yeah, been there you from know. the beginning too. Yeah. Let me see. Would you consider Tanev? Would you Would you consider giving him a captaincy? Plug eyed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I roll laughing every time i see his fu- dude so funny it's and so I'm, funny man even playing like chell i'll be like rolling through the free agents or whatever and i'll see tanev available and like he's just super bug-eyed i'm like i gotta sign him oh hang on a minute mark giordano might have been a captain let me see here 
It is, yeah, it's Mark Giordano. Well, how could I forget about Gio, man? I, I, I mean, I did, I did too. So. Yeah, <laughs> legend. Yeah, yeah, we'll cut that part out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I would Sorry, give the Gio. Calder to Beneers. I would definitely yeah. give Calder to Beneers. Yeah, I, you know, and like you said, this is a regular season award. Um, Skinner had a really good playoff in my mind. I mean, for a rookie, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it's Maddie Beneers. All right, and then la oh, we got three more awards. So Jack Adams, um, our own Jim Montgomery, um, Dave Haxall of the Seattle Kraken, and Lindy Ruff of the Devils. Interesting. Huh. It's funny too because uh, beginning of the season, Devils fans were calling for his head. Dude, like they the were first week of the season. Yeah, they were riled up. Yeah, He's dude. a hell of a coach, man. Everywhere he goes, he just system guy. He's incredible such a good coach you know especially going back to his days in buffalo i mean you know i know they had a difficult run but he's a really good coach i i actually think that he's third in this voting yeah um monty takes it yeah um you know historic season i love what dave hackstall's done with that Kraken team man they you know they don't have any clear stars in my mind they have a lot of really solid you know i think maddie Beniers is going to get there um yeah. We'll see how Shane Wright pans out. Um, but they have a lot of really good players playing within a really effective system. Dude, I think for sure, I think it's got to go to Montgomery. Again, like we said, a regular season award. If they counted playoffs, I don't think he he, he yeah. might not sniff this award. But you got to consider, like, the the amount of adversity that he himself has faced. Um, he came back from a dark place in his life. And then he comes in and he coaches – the Boston Bruins to what is the greatest regular season of NHL hockey the league has ever seen. I don't know how you don't give it to Montgomery. Yeah, man, going going back to what you know, what he went through personally, um, getting let go of St. Louis. I incredible story, man. You know, anyone going through that kind of stuff, you know, you know, it's such a dark place to be. Yeah. And just just awesome, awesome story, man. And being a local guy, just it's just crazy that he, you know, was able to step in and we're gonna he's gonna be the Jack Adams winner. Yeah. Right, let's see what we got next. Ooh, this one's not close for me. The Selkie. Selkie. Selkie Dude. we got. Obviously Bergie. Nico Heischer yeah. of the Devils and Mitch Marner. So What's it's definitely team? it's not gonna be Marner. I no. can see he sheer stealing this from under Bergeron, but I think it's Bergeron's award to lose. Um, he had a 61.1% faceoff percentage this year. He won 1,043 draws. He lost six, 663. He had 54 block shots. He had 66 hits, 38 takeaways, 21 giveaways. I mean, what's this going to be? His sixth selkie if he wins it? Yeah. One for the thumb or one for the other thumb, huh? Put a ring on the other hand. You got to think at some point they're going to consider renaming this trophy for this guy. Um, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. They had. You know, it's just incredible. Like I said, going back to the you know the beginning of the show, he's still playing at such a high level, doing things that you know he may not be putting up the points, the goals, but he's doing the little things in the defensive zone that he's still playing at a super high level. Man, like it, it's just it would be crazy to think about him leaving this team. You know, yeah. still playing so well. 
yeah, yeah. I, I, I think you're right. I think it's his trophy to lose. I think you could see Heesher making it close, but I think Bergeron comes away with it. I agree. Um, and then last but not least, GM of the year. Um, the Jim Gregory general manager of the year. We've got Jim Nill of the Dallas Stars, uh, Don Sweeney, obviously, and Bill Zito of the Florida Panthers. Ooh. Ooh, that's tough. It's not going to be Jim Nill. It, I think it's a tight race between Sweeney and Zito. But you have to remember that this is a regular season award. Yeah, true. They came that's in true. as an eight. They came in as an eight seed, Florida. You yeah. know they that they finished eighth. You know, I think this is Sweeney, man. Like the moves yeah. that he made at at the deadline, the you know just all everything that he went through last off season, firing a Cassidy. All eyes were on him, man, and he and he delivered. They. He is the last person to blame in my mind for this team's demise. And yeah. he put, you know, he made all the right moves. He put this team in a perfect position to make a deep run. Um, and obviously they finished best in, you know, best in the NHL. It's Sweeney for me. Yeah. I mean, if you really look up and down the roster, right, you had four wicked deep lines. You had Charlie Coyle as your third center. You, you had Hall on your third line as well. You, you had the pieces in place to be able to separate, you know, your top six lines. You had David Posternock on the second line for the majority of the season. You had Jake DeBrusque on the first line, both lines producing at, you know, elite rates. And then your defensive unit too, Grizzlick, McAvoy, Carlo, Lindholm, Clifton, Forbert. And then you got the extra guys down in Providence. You got Mike Riley down there, who's an NHL serviceable guy. Jacob Zaboral, I guess you could kind of say that. Um just guys in the system who were also able to kind of come up to the Bruins when needed and plug right in. It was almost a perfect roster and not even almost, it was a perfect roster. And then you got two ACE goalies too. He, I said, he, he's, he, he was able to sign pasta. He was able to sign Zaka to an extension. Yeah, you're right. It's Sweeney. It's got, yeah. it's got, it's got to be Sweeney. <laughs> uh, all right, man. So actually I lied. We have two more. Okay. Uh, the King Clancy Award, the humanitarian. I don't know a whole lot about this, man. I'd have to yeah. – I didn't do a ton of research as far as um, humanitarian contrib- uh, contributions. They've got Michael Backlund, Anders Lee, Darnell Nurse. Yeah, you're right. We'd have to do a little more research. Yeah, I'd, have, I'd have to do some research. <laughs> we'll, we'll cut this out. Yeah. Um, and then the last award um, – the Masterson Trophy, dedicated dedication to hockey. Um, Clayton Keller, Chris Letang, and Alex Stalock. Oh, I have my pick. Yeah, this one's easy for me. My my pick is Chris Letang, man. Um, yeah. Obviously, awful man had a stroke. Um, thank God he's all right. I, I think, like I said, and he came back the same year, which yeah. is just outrageous to think about, man. He's just. Such a tough dude, and yeah, this is this is Crystal Tang's award, in, in my opinion. Not only the stroke, but I I don't want to be wrong, but I'm 99% certain that his father passed away this season too. So he was dealing not only with his stroke, but he was also dealing with his father's passing, and he was able to come back. It, it was only like like a month or two before he came back after his stroke, and he played the rest of the season. I mean, hockey guy, hockey guy, dedicated hockey to the guy. sport. 
it's it's got to be Latang. It'll be a travesty if it's not Latang. Yeah, I agree. I agree, man. Yeah. Well, that does it for the awards. Um, looks like we came to consensus on most of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, what, we Any, what else we got? On this I was going to say. I was going to say, I think that's really, I think it's a good spot for, you know, the first show. Um, we did the draft. We hit on the Bruins. We hit the, the Vegas Golden Knights in their future. Um, and we, we talked a little draft too. I think it's a good spot for a first episode. You know, don't go too long. Um, it was a good, good introduction to all the listeners. Uh, you know, hopefully everybody enjoying or everybody who listened to the show uh, enjoyed it. We're going to be back every week. I know. So we are going to record every Thursday or Friday night, one of those two, and then episodes should drop on Saturday mornings. Correct. Yes. Um, okay. Just so we're not conflicting with, you know, our boys over at uh, only Bruins. Yeah. Yep. Uh, shout out Boozy and Brett. Shout um, out, yeah. We don't want to step in on any toes. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be, we're BNG is starting to have a full docket of, um, of episodes per week. We got, we got the Monday live show with What's Brewing with myself and Chris Nosek. We got Tuesday episodes of Something's Brewing with myself and my co-host Nick Melanson. We got um, the Wednesday show. I'm pretty sure that's the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, if I'm not mistaken. Thursday episode drops. Um, I think that spot's open. But uh, obviously Friday drops is only Bruins. Friday, uh, Saturday drops are going to be us. Here on the Drop the Mitts Hockey Pod with the boys. Um, and then, yeah, so we're starting to get a full schedule out there. It's really, really good to see. Yeah, we're gearing man, up. We're gearing uh, up. I'm really glad that we could finally make this happen and it's coming to fruition, man. I, I just remember thinking back, all you know, at Funky Murphy's, man, just sitting there crushing beers and just bullshitting yeah. hockey the entire – I was like, this dude knows his shit. Like, we we got to get together and, you know, talk puck. And, yeah, so so glad that we were able to make this happen. Yeah, dude. So, so as you know, as the weeks go along, uh, we'll get more seasoned into the show too, and the show is going to start to get a little bit more of a personality. This is the yeah. this is the baby episode, the inaugural episode of the Drop the Mitts Hockey Pod. Um, but yeah, I know we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I know we're we're trying to line up some awesome guests too for you guys. So hopefully we can get that to work out and um, bring that to you guys. And hey every episode is just going to get better and better. And as the season starts to, you know, roll closer and closer, you know, moves are going to start to happen. Signings are going to start to happen. Trades are going to start to happen. Firings are going to happen. It's going to be a lot of stuff going on in the hockey world. And we're going to be here to bring it to you guys. So. All right, guys, take care. All right. Peace out guys. Thanks for listening.